Michael Sussman acquitted. Okay. <laughs> A lot of people not really surprised. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, even with the uh, the judge's questionable connections to the Hillary Clinton campaign, I was looking at this and, and saying that, look, they admitted in court that the guy did what he's accused of doing. How could any jury walk away? And then again, you know, you have to throw in there the caveat. Did Hillary Clinton knock on their door in the middle of the night and threaten their lives? I don't know. Is it likely that that happened? No, she probably sent somebody. Duh. Former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman was acquitted Tuesday of lying to the FBI when he fed it false information about supposed collusion between then-candidate Donald Trump and Russia during the 2016 campaign. So I'm just going to stop there before we dive further into this article. Here's what we know. We know specifically that the information that Michael Sussman passed to the FBI was a lie. That's not up for debate. The real question is, apparently, according to the court, is did he know it was a lie? Well, he, yeah, he did. <laughs> they, 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 admit, they admitted it in court. They even had a witness say that Hillary Clinton signed off on this. There's no way, there is no way a non-corrupted jury comes to this ruling, period. I don't know how else to say it. Remember, we came on here, we did a whole segment at the beginning of the show one day. It was one of the funniest things. Their defense was that he did exactly what he was accused of doing. It was a strange defense, but that's, so they admitted that he did it in court. We know for a fact that the Alpha Bank stuff was fake. We know that none of that information was accurate. Uh, I guess they made a play that he didn't know was inaccurate. Which then begs the question, well, how did he get it? Then they trace that back, and guess what? It's right back into Hillary Clinton campaign. So I guess the justification here by the jury is that the Hillary Clinton campaign used him as an idiot stooge, and then he went and used this information and gave it to the FBI without telling the Hillary Clinton campaign who's responsible for getting him the information. Right? Because remember, that was part of his defense. Yeah, I did it, but I wasn't working for, for the Clinton campaign at that time. They had no idea that I did this. But the information came from the Clinton campaign to Michael Sussman. <laughs> Sussman gave the FBI data that had been produced by researchers working with the campaign, the Hillary Clinton campaign, and that purported to link Trump to Russia via Alpha Bank. Now, keep in mind, that never actually happened. There was no connection with Trump and Alpha Bank. That was all fake. So the campaign comes up with this fake information. Sussman, who works for the campaign as a lawyer, is handed the information. Who do you hand information to when you're going to pass it off to authorities? You give it to your lawyer. But we're, we're told in this circumstance, this is totally just, just something that he chose to do on his own. So the Hillary Clinton campaign comes up with information that isn't real, is totally fake. They give it to him. He gives this fake information to the FBI as a concerned citizen and totally not an employee of the Clinton campaign, they admit to this, yet somehow he's not guilty. You know how long the jury deliberated? One day and one morning. Right. The accusation was uh, soon found to be groundless, but was part of the overall Russia collusion conspiracy theory that the Clinton campaign used to smear Trump during the campaign and after his victory. The uh, suspect was accused of presenting himself to the FBI as a concerned citizen when he was working for the Clinton campaign. The jury included up to three donors to Hillary Clinton. 
So the jury has at least three people who donated to Hillary Clinton during that campaign. Um, the judge, okay, the judge was appointed by Obama, and the judge's spouse worked with the Clinton campaign. And the, uh, let's see, the judge narrowly limited prosecutors' evidence on this case. We talked about that a couple of times, and that was obviously a big deal, but it didn't seem like they would need some of the evidence that Durham wanted to introduce. The defense argued that even if Sussman was found to have given the FBI inaccurate information about his motivations, the lie was immaterial to the investigation that followed. No, it wasn't. It was the entire reason for the investigation that followed. That's the point. Durham argued that the FBI protected Sussman's sources as a result of the alleged lie, which they did, and that investigators would not have pursued the Alpha Bank tip had they known the source of the data, which is certainly reasonable to assume, and that was the entire case. Would the FBI have investigated the Alpha Bank-Trump connection if Hillary Clinton's campaign hadn't basically concocted this stuff, handed it to Sussman, and sent Sussman to the FBI? That's a real question. Considering it wasn't a real connection and it never actually existed, the likelihood that the FBI would have actually investigated it is very, very small. So Durham's entire premise is, hey, they only investigated this Alpha Bank connection because the Hillary Clinton campaign manufactured the connection and gave it to Sussman who gave it to the FBI while pretending to be this unbiased private citizen. That's a perfectly legitimate argument. And again, the other side doesn't make any sense. I know that we've gone over this many times. I'm not going to bore you with all the details of it anymore, but it's just absurd. Uh, but the fact that you've got, you know, jurors who donated Hillary Clinton's campaign, you got a judge who limited the amount of evidence that could be you know, submitted and also has a familial connection to the Hillary Clinton campaign goes to tell you what, what we're dealing with here. Uh, Byron York of the Washington Examiner observed in the hours before the verdict was delivered on Tuesday, he said there's no doubt Sussman lied to the FBI. There's no doubt that he is guilty. But the trial is taking place in Washington, perhaps the deepest blue jury pool in the United States. Now, remember, when you vote, uh, not when you vote, but when you look at the the votes, okay, for a municipality, there is no place more blue than Washington, D.C. That includes San Francisco, it includes Los Angeles, New York City, Chicago. All of those places are far more red by, like, double digits than Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is, like, 96% Democrat. It's, it's the most blue area in the entire country. So... Durham's prosecutors, this is what Byron Byron York wrote, Durham's prosecutors are facing a jury that has three Clinton donors, an AOC donor, and a woman whose daughter is on the same sports team as Sussman's daughter. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley said all of this. Uh, With the exception of randomly selecting people out of DNC headquarters, you could not come up with a worse jury. Yeah, and they did exactly what they always do for Hillary Clinton. They circled the wagons, and they lied through their teeth. Now, I will say this. Durham basically said, I am disappointed in the jury, but I respect their service and thank them for their time and yada, 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 yada. So, um, again, Durham is ever playing the, the polite gentleman, as he's always kind of done with this whole scenario, uh, and he didn't threaten to burn down the city, as would have happened if uh, things had gone you know the other way. So... The next trial starts here soon where they go after the Russian. We'll see. Will the uh, will the liberals in Washington, D.C. rally around the Russian who is now being prosecuted for this uh, for this Russia collusion hoax? We'll see. 
That's that's one of those uh, one of those tough choice memes. You know, do we protect do we protect Democrats by supporting the Russian or do we throw the Russian under the bus? Which one do we do? We'll see. But uh, clearly, a corrupt jury, corrupt court, no doubt about it, because the evidence was crystal clear and was even presented in court. There is no doubt. There is no doubt at all that Sussman lied because the Alpha Bank thing isn't real. And we know where the Alpha Bank information originated from, and it originated from his employer, the Hillary Clinton campaign. They fabricated it. We got a witness who testified that Hillary Clinton signed off on it. Period. End of story. The jury just did what they did. They circled the wagons for their tribe because their tribe, as whatever evil their tribe does, the ends justify the means because at least they're trying to do the right thing. Right. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. Casey Hendrickson. I'm Laura Smith. And I'm John Zimney. Cooler weather's on the way. All your top local stories, traffic and weather during Michiana's Morning News, Wednesday, 95.3 MNC. All right, we're going to go over a couple of things here for you. Election-wise, a lot of things have been actually happening since 2000 Mules came out. And what is really interesting is watching networks ignore it. Very, very interesting. So we'll get into that here in a minute. Voter fraud has led to a reversed result in a California local government election. This was in Compton, California. City Council has been overturned. An election for City Council has been overturned due to the discovery of election fraud in a close race in which the winning candidate has now been charged with voter fraud and bribery. In Compton? Nah, that would never happen. Isaac Galvin, who is a Compton City Council member who appeared to win his seat by the slimmest possible margin of one vote, was arrested last year along with five other people and charged with conspiracy to commit election fraud. But we're told that that doesn't happen. It's weird how you keep running into election fraud when you're told it doesn't happen. And as I've told you before, most of this stuff happens with these local races. Those local races, though, get ignored by the national media. But what they do, they change local government. They change redistricting. They change delegates to the national conventions, the state and national conventions. Local elections are extremely important, guys. I keep telling you this. He's going to be replaced by his challenger, Andre Spicer, after a judge ruled Friday that four of the votes in the election were invalid because they were cast by people who did not live in the district. (gasps) What? But that doesn't happen. L.A. Times reported all of this. He's a he's a two term councilman who's now been replaced by the challenger. So what what's interesting, <laughs> what is interesting here is that, you know, there will be people who go, oh, it was just four votes. Yeah, but it changed the city council race. When you have close elections, voter fraud is very, very important. If you have blowouts, they tend to not be OK. But if you have a close election, they're very important, particularly in those lo- local races. So you got to pay very, very close attention to this stuff. Now, let's head over to Yuma County, okay? So a Yuma County school board member is now going to plead guilty for ballot trafficking. Now, what you need to understand about this is that this is, a, this is somebody who was already arrested and charged last year for this crime. And uh, Guillermina Fuentes... It was a Gadsden Elementary School Board member and the ex-mayor of San Luis, Arizona, okay, got caught committing ballot fraud. Then a couple of months after that, had extra charges added to her ballot fraud. She pled not guilty until something happened. Anybody want to guess what happened that 
caused her to change her vote from not guilty to guilty? Anyone? Anyone? 2,000 mules came out. (laughs) 2,000 mules came out, and guess who changed her plea? Like, right after that. Pretty interesting stuff. But, I mean, serious charges here. So, um, Catherine Egbert and Greg Phillips investigated the ballot trafficking incident in Yuma County, and it included that information in the film 2,000 Mules, and shortly after that, this woman changed her plea to guilty. Hmm. That's, that's pretty interesting stuff. If you go back to October of last year, you go to the, uh, the Attorney General's Office of Arizona, Mark Burnovich, and he tells you the additional charges that he added on Fuentes. So, in December of 2020, Fuentes was indicted on one count of ballot abuse, uh, ballot Sorry, smudge on my, whoever sits here in the morning. <clears throat> Schmutz on my monitor. Ballot abuse, also known as ballot harvesting. That charge, which also included, it is also included in a new indictment. This new indictment was October. So originally charged in December. October of the next year, 10 months later, they had additional charges alleging that she collected four voting voting ballots from other persons in violation of Arizona law and use those ballots as well. So she's routinely been doing this on a regular basis. Uh, there's some additional charges that got added on top of that. She pled not guilty until 2,000 Mules came out. Uh, her case was featured in 2,000 Mules, and boom, just like that, she pleads guilty. That's pretty interesting. Now, I also want to I want to go ahead and take you to Fox News here because uh, Representative Mo Brooks, um, he got into it. He got into it with who is the uh, Sandra Smith from Fox News Sunday. And Smith basically claimed that, you know, she was attacking Brooks. Brooks, you know, mentioned voter fraud and that sort of thing. It's a long clip, and I didn't isolate the audio, so I apologize about that. Uh, I think that uh, Bongino played a, a few seconds of it today, so I'd encourage you to go listen there. But I'll put the full, the full 15-minute interview in the Daily Show prep today. So Brooks pressed on voter fraud and, you know, basically highlighting some of the examples of voter fraud that are out there. And she claimed that voter fraud doesn't exist. That none of this evidence has panned out, which, of course, is a total lie. Like I told you before, anybody who says that, they automatically lose all credibility here because we've had multiple court rulings on this in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania in particular. Um, we also have a lot of evidence coming out of Arizona with the audit. But we have to remember, too, that there's, you know, you got this uh, situation in Georgia where Fulton County continues to be a problem. And even the the attorney general in Georgia, who was anti-Trump, suddenly is like, yeah, we think we found some fraud here. And it could be enough to overturn the state. What we do know for certain is that in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, there's massive fraud, clearly enough to overturn the results of the election. Now, if 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 that voter fraud had been caught, it still wouldn't have given Trump the election. It would have been what's the uh, the number here? <clears throat> it would have been 274 to 26. No, hold on a second. That changed. Yeah, 274 to 264. So there's a four vote win by Joe Biden. You get 270 to win. The problem is Arizona's out there. Arizona did their audit. Remember, Arizona's audit shows that the number of illegitimate and illegal ballots that were cast do, in fact, um, could potentially change the state. Okay? So if you flip Arizona, just like that, Trump wins. That's why this was such a close election, and any fraud that did occur may not have flip the, the results. If if voter fraud did flip Wisconsin and voter fraud did flip Pennsylvania, Trump still doesn't win this thing. You just have to start looking. Now you're looking at, you know, potentially Michigan. You're looking at Arizona. You're looking at Georgia. You know, that sort of stuff. We know that massive fraud happened in Georgia. 
We know that some fraud happened in Nevada. We don't know to what extent. Even the DMV in Nevada admitted that they found fraud. Of course, Nevada always has fraud. Um, But the Arizona and Georgia situations are the ones that everybody is kind of paying attention to. And there's been a lot that's happened in Georgia since that. And I know that you got Stacey Abrams running around there pretending that she had the election stolen from her, which, of course, did not happen. Um, But Fulton County, Georgia, that's the place that faked having a water main break before the election even started. Remember that? And we were monitoring it that night. Turns out there never was a water main break. There never was a leak. There was a clogged toilet. So why did they go through all of that effort? That's where you had the magic table thing happening and the weird deliveries late at night. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened in Georgia. So when you see all of these cases come up, you know, it's important to nail people down on, okay, widespread voter fraud. What is your definition of widespread voter fraud? And that's where you have to really hit them. Oh, by the way, uh, Liz Cheney, who's still pushing the January 6th lie, she's down 30 points. She announced her her run for re-election. She's down 30 points uh, from Harriet Hagman. So we'll see how that lasts, but she's currently starting her campaign down 30. MNC News time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and weather station. To the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Well, it's been like, I don't know, what, five or six days as uh, as your standard fair corporate media even mentioned the woman who prevented the mass shooting with her gun. That's still unlikely. I know. Casey Hendrickson here. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. So uh, Lincoln Day dinner on Saturday was fantastic with the St. Joseph County Republican Party. We, we learned, by the way, that they had the second highest attended Lincoln Day in the entire state. Pretty cool. There was uh, over 500 people that were there to see Representative Jim Jordan who was invited by Representative Walorski to come to town. She says she was shocked that he was able to do it. And he came to town. He gave a great speech. Not too long. Thank God. Sometimes people give long speeches like, you know, MCs who are told to only speak for like 10 or 15 minutes. Those people, they suck. So I was there emceeing the event. And uh, I was pleased that when I got there, they told me not that I wasn't giving a speech this time around. Usually I have to give a speech, but I didn't have to give a speech this time around. So it made my duties a little bit easier Plus, I was in a mood anyway. Just, I was in a mood all last week and through the weekend. Just took me took me a while to kind of get out of the funk. Um, so I probably wasn't the most pleasant individual to be around. So if uh, you noticed a little awkwardness with me over at Lincoln Day, I apologize about that. But uh, luckily, it was a great night. It was a lot of fun. I uh, got a chance to uh, to meet the uh, the congressman and and chat with him for a second or two and and uh, give him a special special prize from my stream sponsor silverfoxart.com was able to do that so it was uh, it was a blast and you know he he talked about a lot of stuff i think he mentioned buddha judge once just to get audience reaction he didn't even mention the guy again after that but uh, it was a it was a really good event it was solid probably their best lincoln day yet and i've been to a lot of their lincoln day dinners and it was just a really really good lincoln day you know one of the things that i i noticed is that the crowd was diverse in age and diverse in race and that is exactly what you want to see. Uh, and that was that was awesome to see that. You know, the folks over at the St. Joseph County Republican Party are doing a really good job and reaching out to 
uh, historically Democratic communities, and they're doing a really good job of pulling them in. A lot of new candidates as well are in those demographics, and it's just it's good to see it. Uh, plus, all of the uh, activist parents who got a little sick and tired of their kids being used for propaganda purposes at school, they were there as well. So just all in all, really, really, really good night over at the Gillespie Center who did a great job hosting. And Pol- uh, not Pelosi, but Wilorski, in one point, she gave her speech. She was there just after her knee surgery. She's doing well, by the way. Um, but after her knee surgery, she still went up on stage. She gave a really fiery speech, and she said she was going to, you know, after the midterm, she was going to kick Pelosi right in her, her butt. Now, I would pay, you know, good money to see that. I don't think it'll actually happen, but I would pay good money to see that. But what I did find interesting about this is that, you know, Pelosi comes up in all of this. And obviously, Pelosi being, you know, Speaker of the House, that's a big deal. She, she The Democrats lose. She's not Speaker anymore. But then, right after that, Pelosi's husband gets busted for DUI. Now, the rumor mill went cranking on this thing right away. Today, their lawyer has issued some information. Uh, I talked a little bit about this in the live stream today with some of the preliminary stuff. Told everybody, cautious. This is early. We don't know if any of this is true. And a lot of it isn't. Um, But the California Highway Patrol released details of the crash that led to the arrest of Speaker Pelosi's husband late Saturday night. Of course, Lincoln Day was Saturday. (laughs) So we're talking about... Pelosi and everything else and we go home and then her husband gets busted for DUI. Uh, Let's see. The California Highway Patrol said in a press release last night that Paul Pelosi's 2021 Porsche. You have to say Porsche. It's not Porsche. It's Porsche. Otherwise, the the Porsche fanatics get really angry at you and all uppity. It was uh, struck in Napa Valley by a 2014 Jeep as he was attempting to cross State Route 29. No injuries were reported, thank God. Pelosi was arrested about 80 minutes after law enforcement responded to the scene. Now, there's there's a lot of allegations here. Okay, Pelosi was not with him. That was an early one. Nancy Pelosi was not with him. She was in another state. That has been confirmed, so she wasn't with him. Uh, the other thing was... They sure did wait a long time to get this guy's breathalyzer. There was a report that at one point it was up to like four hours before they did it. I don't know how accurate that is, but they they appeared to wait for a little bit to give him the breathalyzer, and then he was down to .08. <laughs> A uh, public booking report by the Napa County Sheriff's Office lists Paul Pelosi as being booked on early Sunday morning on charges of driving under the influence. Bail was set at five grand, which is less than the cost of of Nancy Pelosi's weekly supply of her boutique ice cream. A representative for Pelosi told CBS News that he had been at a dinner party in Oakville until about 10.15 p.m. and drove the, quote, short distance home. This is the thing. Why why do drunk drivers always use this place? Yeah, just ride the road. Just drive the road. Yeah, it's not going to work, dude. You're still going to get busted for this. Now, he won't because he's a Pelosi. Uh, they added that he was a representative of Pelosi, added that, you know, it's just a short distance away. He was fully cooperative with the authorities. And by the way, it was totally the other guy that hit him. Uh-huh. They mentioned that Pelosi was in Rhode Island to deliver Brown University's commencement address. She wasn't with him. There was some speculation that she might have been in the car with him at the time. Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case. So uh, the other thing is the attorney for Paul Pelosi is saying that, because this is another question is, well, hold on a second. Paul Pelosi's got another DUI. This should be a felony charge. Why is this a misdemeanor charge? 
with a $5,000 bail. And it turns out that uh, according to his attorney, the Paul Pelosi who had a similar charge four years ago is not this Paul Pelosi. It is a different Paul Pelosi. And Internet sleuths got that one wrong. I, I don't know. I'm not looking at anybody's uh, social security number. I'm just letting you know that the attorney says that Paul Pelosi does not have a prior DUI charge and that the other Paul Pelosi in the area who does is not him. They are two different people with the same name. So I'm just letting you know what the official incident is. Okay. So he began driving home alone on a short distance drive, the attorney said, and then the incident happened just a few minutes later. Yeah. Okay. Does it really matter, though? Does it matter all that much? Probably not. Probably not. Because you know how this would go if this was a Republican. Everybody knows how this would go if this was a Republican who got a DUI. Everybody knows. But it won't be treated that way. It's getting largely swept under the rug after this. Uh, now that uh, they're clearing up that Pelosi wasn't with him and that it wasn't a felony, that sort of thing, and they'll move on to bigger and better things like manufacturing crimes that didn't actually happen and wouldn't be a crime anyway if they did and yet creating impeachment arguments for it. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. On News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. Uh, we are live streaming, by the way, on Rumble. And go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. Follow me on Truth Social, Truth Social at Casey the host. And again, everybody can join Truth Social now. It is available for anybody over at truthsocial.com. Okay. Let's uh, let's take a look at this. I think this is hysterical. Every time I see something like this, the World Economic Forum says to go vegan. Eat seaweed, algae, and cacti to save the planet. And then, of course, when you eat seaweed, algae, and cacti, they will get angry at you for eating too much of it. Now, what I find so interesting about this, because the World Health Organization did the same crap, right? So the World Health Organization, we'll get into the World Health Organization here in a minute. Um, but they did the same thing. You know, hey, everybody needs to go vegan, save the planet, yada, yada, yada. And we read for you their menu of what the World Health Organization was having for lunch, which included a ton of exotic proteins, not vegan, not environmentally friendly, because, again, it is all about do what we tell you to do, not what we do. We're the elites. We get to do all of the fun stuff. You have to eat the equivalent of pink slime. I know the pink slime wasn't actually pink slime. It's just it still resonates with people. That's why I use it. So the World Economic Forum, this is Davos, right? They go out there and they tell everybody to eat seaweed, algae, and cacti to save the planet. All right, well, if you start looking at the food that they had, they've been advocating this for, for years. If you start looking at the food that they had last year, last year they didn't abide by any of that. Why, why didn't they abide by any of that last year when you look at some of the foods that they had? including, you know, large protein portions and things like that. Caviar? Caviar is on there. Why are you eating uh, baby baby fish? Let the fish grow up. So, and I, I yes, I know what caviar is, folks. I'm just playing with you. 
But you start looking at some of the um, like the lunch menus and, and the, the Michelin star chefs that they have coming in and doing all of the food prep and everything else for them. You know, I'm looking at, um, let's see, I'm looking at this like famous steakhouse and some of the steak that they have there at Davos that, that's a popular favorite. And it looks like a really beautiful steak. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It looks good. I think that I have made better in my backyard, but it looks fantastic. Most of you have made better meat than the expensive meat in your backyard, by the way. Those of you know how to cook. But what, it's it's this constant double standard. The World Health Organization wants you to be vegan, but the delegates to the World Health Organization don't eat vegan. The meals that are prepared for them are exotic proteins that many of you will never taste in your entire life because they're too expensive, too rare, too hard to get. And then the other proteins are very commonplace, but high-end versions of them, like ribeye and things like that. Why is it that they get to eat all of that stuff, but they tell you that you're supposed to suck down algae, right? Same thing with Davos. This is the thing. People have got to start paying attention to the quote-unquote elites. And for those of you out there, because I, I run into this too, it's like, they're not our elites. I know. Elites are used as a term not of endearment, but of mockery. They think they're elite. You heard it right there in Klaus Schwab's Davos speech where he said, we're, we're the, the, the elite. We're the creators of the world. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But we played you a portion of that speech on the show last week. The reason that we do that is so you understand who they really are. They want you to be bottom feeders. They want to have all of the nice stuff. Now, where else did, did that happen? Well, it happened in the Soviet Union. Now, for those of you who don't know, it was the American supermarket that doomed the Soviet Union. I've told the story before. I know that some of you have asked me to repeat it often. Boris Yeltsin came to the United States, and he walked in. It was an unplanned stop into a grocery store. He wanted to go into a grocery store because he did not believe the rumors. He walked into a grocery store, and he was shocked at what he saw. He did not ever conceive of a single grocery store having such abundance of food because they don't have that in the Soviet Union. They never did. And he was shocked by it. He, and he's later said in his memoirs and everything else that that was the moment that he knew that the Soviet Union needed to change. So the supermarket is what killed off the Soviet empire. Well, when you start taking a look at the way that the Soviet system ran, for those of you who don't know, as the crops were gathered and as the meat was slaughtered and that sort of thing, it was the elites in the Communist Party who had first pick. Then it was the underlings in the Communist Party that had first pick. Then it was like regional people who had next pick. By the time the food supply got to the grocery store for the average citizen in the Soviet Union, it was only what was left. All of the premium stuff had already been scraped off the top by the so-called, air quote, elites. It is the same thing that they want to do at Davos. It is the same thing that they want to do at the, at the World Health Organization. They want you to eat gruel, but they want to be able to have access to all of the amazing stuff. It's not that it's better for the planet, and it's not that it's better for you, because it isn't. The point is, is that they want first dibs on all of the nice stuff. And they're sick and tired of you peasants ruining their good time by having access to those nice things yourselves. Those are not people you should be listening to or paying attention to. Just like these celebrities who go on and on about the planet, yet drive 45 SUVs and have yachts and private jets that they jet all over the world with. 
Don't listen to those people. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. WTRC FM and HD1, Niles, South Bend. The first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Okay, stop harassing me about it. It'll be at 5 o'clock. We'll talk about 9-millimeter bullets being able to bust your lungs right out of your body. Okay? 5 o'clock. Leave me alone. 5 o'clock. We'll talk about it. Because I know. I, I like the rest of you, would like to know where to get these 9-millimeter rounds. <laughs> oh, gosh. Joe Biden is a moron. But his supporters are even dumber. That's the thing. It's, you know, who's, who's the real idiot? The, the guy who says the idiotic things or the people who follow them? So I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Let's see. In the Brooklyn mass shooting, the victim is going to sue Glock because it's Glock's fault that the victim got shot. Okay. Joe Biden says that you can't do that, though. They're the only ones completely immune from prosecution and and lawsuits. Huh. All right, we got to talk about robots. I keep asking this, and and I actually brought this up to somebody that we were talking to just the other day, and they were like, man, we're having a big problem with labor right now. So let me ask you a question. I keep telling you, there's something really weird with the labor numbers right now, and I have no doubt that the Biden administration is fudging the numbers, and here's how I know why. We have less jobs now than pre-pandemic. Less people are employed now than pre-pandemic. So how is it that businesses can't find employees? How is it that we have less jobs and less people working right now than pre-pandemic, but the unemployment rate and the availability of workers doesn't reflect that? How is that possible? Riddle me this, right? Well, I've been telling people, like, hey, it's time to start investing in robots. Like, this is what you got to do. I told, well, I told you all a long time ago, you need to invest in robots. The moment your workers start clamoring for $15 an hour to uh, reheat a patty, you probably need to get robots. And the robots are very effective. Like, they work really well. So why not just start getting robots? Well, according to the businesses out there who make these robots, business has surged 40%. People who refuse to work and people who price themselves out of the market are actually going to end up killing off jobs. According to a recent report, orders for automated technology and robots have increased 40% in the first quarter of this year. As businesses seek solutions to ongoing labor shortages, one MIT professor warned automation, if it goes very fast, can destroy a lot of jobs. Yup. And you know what? Start with fast food workers. Uh, sorry, kids. You don't get to learn how to how to have a job by going into fast food anymore. I'm sorry. They decided to unionize and try to make it a career instead of a, an entry job. And now you're host. What else can I say? Uh, there is... Very few places that we go to now, because the kids get fast food once, basically once a week, there's very few places that we go right now where the customer service is good. It's terrible pretty much everywhere. And most of you have expressed the same sentiment. We've talked about this many times. Don't even bother going through a drive-thru at McDonald's now. You're stupid to do that. You're going to sit there for 40 minutes or longer at a drive-thru in some of these McDonald's. Some of them have started to get things going a bit smoother. Um, I was in a fairly quick one. was 20 minutes a couple weeks ago. 
So, I mean, that's n- not the worst thing in the world. Um, but generally speaking, if you're going to go fast food, you don't want to be waiting 20 minutes for a stupid reheated burger, right? You can go to a restaurant, and right now, fa- this is the other thing, too. Fast food is no longer cheap. So it's not cheap, and it's not fast, and it's lower quality. That is not a recipe for success. People will start picking up on this. Instead of wasting their time in a drive-thru for a lunch break, they're actually going to go to a restaurant and get better food. That's what people are going to do. Unless, of course, you bring those costs down, get yourself some robots. Robots could do that. We actually, uh, we talked about this before, even though I, I don't believe that McDonald's would do it, but McDonald's was basically advocating the robots because it would let them lower prices and increase the quality of ingredients and make more money. And we all, I mean, I, I told you, I don't expect them to actually lower prices. <laughs> I'm not even sure that they'll raise the quality of their ingredients, to be honest with you. I don't know. Uh, but they'll make more money. And as long as you get your food fast, I suppose you'll probably be all right with that. Recent report from the Wall Street Journal claims that employers across the United States have begun attempting to fill labor gaps with the help of automated technology and robots. Robot orders have reportedly increased by 40% in the first quarter of this year after an overall increase of 21% in 2021. Now, that is according to the Association for Advanced Automation. They're the ones who will be um, kind of like the... uh, I don't know, the the field commanders for the robot rebellion when it happens, we all die. The automation industry is now valued at $1.6 billion following the surge in demand. In November, Amatech Inc. CEO David Zapica, or Zabika told Bloomberg people want to remove labor, adding that his, automate, his automatic equipment company has been firing on all cylinders in recent months to fulfill demand. You know what he needs? He needs robots. To build his robots. And then he could literally fire on all c- cylinders. See? See how that... Do you think that Amatech Inc. has a bunch of human beings assembling the robots? I gotta ask. I don't know. But I've gotta ask. U.S. job openings reached a record high of $11.5 million in March. And many experts predict that the labor crisis may continue for several years. Shortages have already had major impacts on industries such as air travel and retail. Many, however, are successfully turning to machines to assist in a number of jobs. And I think that this is the question that still needs to be asked. How is it that we have less people working now, we have less jobs in this country than pre-pandemic, yet we don't have anybody available to work? What's going on there? The most, I should say the least conspiratorial, I was going to say the most sane argument, but the least conspiratorial thing that I could think of would be people just started their own businesses but those numbers don't reflect either unless of course they're in the underground economy and they're doing business that way um and then the government just simply doesn't have the data yet so maybe that's a possibility i don't know are people just doing side hustles now is that what's going on i mean they're out there making money somehow the advanced benefits have been killed off in most places in the country So I'm assuming that most people are not just sitting there getting the advanced unemployment because that's not a thing. So what's what's going on? But it is important that people understand this. Joe Biden hasn't created a single job, nor would any president at this point in time be credited with that anyway as the economy reopens. But he hasn't there isn't a single new job since he's been president. None pretending to be president. Sorry, Freudian slip Monday. So there's a bunch of weird stuff going on here, but. 
Robot orders, again, up 40%. And last year, the entire year, 40% in the first quarter, but last year they were they were up only 21% for the entire year. So you more than doubled all of last year's increase in demand in just the first quarter of 2022. There's going to be a time where we're going to be, most of our transactions are just going to be through robots or we're going to go to stores and things like that. This is another thing. It, it was bad enough before the pandemic to get a, a checker when you went to a store. I don't even think that checkers even work anymore at most of these stores most of the time. You are basically relegated to doing your own checkout or else. So I, who, who the heck knows what's going to be going on there? I think it's adorable that Target still has like the entire front of their store as checkout lanes because I've never seen those open. Not even at Christmas time, I don't see those things open. Anyway, got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. All your top local stories, traffic and weather during Michiana's Morning News, Wednesday, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. And you can hang out, chat with other listeners there. Also, follow me on Truth Social. Truth Social is now available for everybody. So, on Truth Social, at Casey, the host. All right. I got to go over something here. I've told you before, actually, for a long time, probably a year now, don't use this company. Find an alternative. And a lot of people didn't pick up on it until it was a little too late, and I understand why. This is an article from Reclaim the Net. How about a big tech, quote, privacy-friendly alternative that's in reality teaming up and working closely with Microsoft and appears to put faith in the ethics of a notoriously and historically unethical corporate giant? And what if this alternative has a tracking deal with Microsoft? All right. Think I got a lot of your attention. So if you've got a privacy-focused tech company that's actually secretly in a partnership with Microsoft to track you, that might irk some of you, right? The whole point of getting away from one of those, those big tech companies is to not be tracked, especially when said privacy-focused alternative is telling you that they're not going to track you. So Reclaim the Net continues, a pretty bleak prospect considering that these massive corporations are about as bad as each other, uh, about as bad as each other where monopolistic behavior, user tracking, and data harvesting is concerned. But that is precisely what DuckDuckGo, a Google search alternative search engine and browser that has lately been stumbling from one credibility undermining controversy to another, is now being accused of. And once again, its CEO, Gabrielle Weinberg, is in full damage control mode on social networks denying that anything's wrong, but not so much by clearly explaining the situation as by talking in circles to justify it. So... DuckDuckGo, a lot of you went to DuckDuckGo, and I, you know, at there's a point in time where DuckDuckGo was brand new, and it was the only alternative. You heard people like me say, well, check them out. Then, about a year ago, you heard me tell you not to use them for various reasons. And then came the big hiring scandal where they're refusing to hire men. They're only hiring women. And then came all of the other privacy scandals and the woke culture that was happening at DuckDuckGo corporate. I'm like, you know, hey, these aren't going to be the people that you want to work with. There are better alternatives out there like Brave Search and Brave Browser, which I think are probably the 
best alternatives right now, but by no means are they the only ones. Users are being led to believe that unlike DuckDuckGo's huge competitors, the search operation does not track them or retain search history. And the browser app is telling users that it automatically blocks hidden third-party trackers. But what it is accused of actually doing is allowing Microsoft to run its scripts, collect data points on users, and monitor them via third-party trackers from the Redmond behemoth, not on the DuckDuckGo site itself, but on some third-party websites. So basically what this accusation is, DuckDuckGo goes out there and tells you, we don't track any of your information. We don't collect any of your information. And technically, that's true. They allow Microsoft to do it. It's plausible deniability. This is what I always tell you to pay attention to when politicians talk. Because politicians will lie to you without lying to you. you got to be very, very suave in how they use their language. It's one of the reasons that I point out that language is so very, very important in listening to what somebody says. So if DuckDuckGo is going out there and telling you, hey, we don't do any tracking, but they're allowing Microsoft to run their tracking scripts on their site, technically they're telling you the truth. They're lying to you, but technically they're not doing it. They're just allowing somebody else to do it. Now, if this ends up being true and the evidence is pretty convincing, then this is a dramatic breach of ethics and of the the promise, really, that they made to their users. In addition to running the search site and providing browser extensions, DuckDuckGo also has its own browser for Android and iOS. It is there that a security engineer, Zach Edwards, discovered and shared in a Twitter thread, DuckDuckGo blocks trackers from Google and Facebook, but does not block trackers from Microsoft. And that this behavior relates to Bing.com and LinkedIn.com. Interesting. So he posted a tweet. You can capture data with DuckDuckGo's so-called private browser on a website like Facebook's Workplace.com, and you'll see that DuckDuckGo does not stop data flows to Microsoft's LinkedIn domains or their Bing advertising domains. Now, this was this was done on both Android and iPhone, and they posted the screenshots. And I know that most people will look at this and not really understand it, but it's legit. That data packet is still being sent to LinkedIn and is still being used by Bing and everything else. The revelation quickly got many users upset looking for answers. Instead of clearly denying or confirming that this is happening and is troublesome, not least because it could prove to be misleading to those thinking that they were enjoying strict privacy protection, Weinberg, the CEO of DuckDuckGo, says that DuckDuckGo never promised true anonymity in the first place. Oh. Really? So his defense of this is not to go out there and go, we're not doing that. This is somebody who's got it wrong. His defense of it was going, DuckDuckGo never promised you anonymity anyway. Get what he did there? Now, of course... Their ads talk about privacy protection. Their ads specifically, you've heard on this station, now they're not, they're basically paying the national shows, but the ads that you hear on this station, don't they start off with tired of being tracked online? 
that kind of what the ads start off with? Wouldn't that lead any reasonable person to assume that they're not being tracked online with DuckDuckGo because their whole pitch is, are you tired of being tracked online? Well, come use our product. Next, in comments cited by Bleeping Computer, the DuckDuckGo CEO spoke in nebulous terms like claiming that DuckDuckGo offers above and beyond protection as opposed to other browsers who are not trying as hard as his company. Quote, users are still getting significantly more privacy protection with DuckDuckGo than they would using other browsers, he said. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) So suddenly the seamless privacy protection that they've been advertising has been downgraded to, quote, we're doing this where we can. What's more deflecting, Weinberg claims that the tracking is happening only in the browser app, that Microsoft's tracker is restricted in some ways, and that the whole process is unrelated to search itself. However, critics are rejecting this, saying that despite those restrictions, the tech still makes use of fingerprinting to collect users' telemetry. So, once again, ladies and gentlemen, stop using DuckDuckGo. First of all, from an ideological and moral standpoint, they are opposed to the people who make up this audience. They're not your friends. They're not your allies. They position themselves as such because they knew that there was a market for people who wanted to get away from Google and Apple and Microsoft. They wanted to get away from them, so they went to DuckDuckGo under the false premise that you would be protected, your privacy would be protected, your information wouldn't be sold or collected or database somewhere. They got you through that niche marketing, and then they betrayed you to Microsoft. That's who DuckDuckGo is. And in the midst of all of that, woke controversy after woke controversy after woke controversy at their corporate headquarters. So do yourself a favor, find another service. This is not difficult to do. I've given you several options before. My favorite happens to be Brave, Brave Search and Brave Browser. Uh, They are, if you ask me, the best options now. They're not the only options. If you do need additional options, go to the website, and I'll put this in the daily show prep. Go to the website reclaimthenet.org. Reclaimthenet.org. When you go to the bottom of the website, it will have a section called Big Tech Alternatives. It has a section for VPN providers, private search engines, Discord alternatives, web browsers, um, social networks, video sharing platforms, encryption, email providers, and even messaging apps. And you can click on each one of those, and you can see all of the different options that they endorse as being your best options now. And if you go into the search, for example, if you go into private search engines, you click there, they will have Brave Search. Um, they did list DuckDuckGo, but you may want to may want to not use that. But they also have some other options as well um, that have some decent uh, decent ratings that I've heard of before. But Brave Search seems to be the best in my opinion, for search results. It seems to be the, the most accurate and most functional search engine that is not uh, not going to be stealing your data. If that changes, we'll let you know. MNC News time is 4.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry 
for the moments that will last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and what from the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Some additional updates on what happened in Texas. The Texas DPS director suggested at a press conference, I didn't I didn't touch on this last week, but suggested at a press conference that cyber gaming, that is a direct quote, cyber gaming could have played a role in causing the shooting in Uvalde. Nope. I'm sorry, old stale guy. That doesn't happen. That is not a reality. Every single study that has been done on this has been has disproven that point. The only exception is there are a couple of activist studies that were done by groups that hate gaming, and they were not peer-reviewed, and when their results were put up against scrutiny, they fell apart completely and totally. There is zero credible scientific evidence whatsoever that gaming leads to any negative behavior. What we do know is we do know that people who tend to have these thoughts anyway will still play these games, but that has nothing to do with the causation of said event. So, again, this is what happens when you've got people who are struggling to figure out how to deal with a problem. Uh, the two big reactions we get when young people commit shootings, which, again, are extremely rare, but when it does happen, the two things we get is we got to ban guns and we got to look at video games. You go back into the 90s, it was Marilyn Manson and music that was causing it. Nope, that wasn't true either. Sorry, Tipper Gore and everybody who fell for it. That's not true. It's just, there is no evidence of this. All of the evidence shows the contrary. But when you grasp at straws to try and come up with a solution, well, you end up proposing stupid things. Kind of like when the experts had no idea how to fight COVID, so they just told you to put a mask on your face even though they knew it wouldn't work. They didn't have anything else to tell you. As I told you before, they had to tell you something. They couldn't go up there and have a press conference and say, we don't know. Good luck. They couldn't do that. They had to give you some direction. And the direction they gave you happened to be bullcrap, but that was all they had. So once again, you've got an individual who's older, not meaning to rag on older people here, but it tends to be older people who don't understand any of this stuff, who tend to buy into this mythical notion that somehow... A video game is going to cause you to go out and shoot people to death. Not so. Are people who are prone to shooting people drawn to some types of video games? Probably. But just like Looney Tunes didn't cause anybody to go throw anvils in somebody's face, Call of Duty is not causing people to go shoot people. Anybody who suggests otherwise is being absurd. Now, beyond that, beyond that, ran into... Ran into two stories here that I want to highlight, and then I'm going to give you a third that's going to make you sick to your stomach. All about the shooting in Texas. So I know that a lot of you are aware of this. I just haven't gone over it on the show, and when I post about it on social media, there's a few of you who know what it is, and and some of you are like, what? I didn't hear this one. So a federal agent was getting his hair cut at his barber. 
He got a text message from his wife that said, help. Then she sent, I love you. So she sends one message that says, there's an active shooter. Help. I love you. This guy in the middle of his haircut jumps up. He's a federal agent. His barber gives him his shotgun. So the barber's got a shotgun for the shop, hands it to the federal agent. The federal agent goes to the school, and you know what he does? Rescues kids. While the police are sitting in the hallway, not doing anything. So this federal agent, knowing that his family was in danger, sprung into action and saved people. He didn't just save his family. He got others out as well. So I, I posted about Patton has a famous quote. I mean, he's, he's said it a couple of different times, and so the quote is is different depending on which, which time you're quoting General Patton on it. But the quote is essentially... A good plan executed violently now is better than a perfect plan executed in two weeks. And that is when you have something that happened, you need to go. You need to act. This tepid, overly cautious mentality that some people have does not work in a tactical situation. This is one of the reasons why the Civil War went so bad for the North early on. General McClellan? Too cautious. Wasn't bold. Grant was. Lee was. You can't have this on the battlefield. Don't get don't get me started on World War II and Montgomery and some others. But this is this is what you have to do. You spring into action. Your loved ones are in danger. You spring into action. This is a federal agent who saved lives that day. Deserves to be credited for it. Not a lot of people are talking about that story on the news. I know that his story is popular right now on social media but i mean it it's just it's an amazing story his name is jacob alvarado by the way who had just sat down for his haircut when he got that message from his wife and and by the way i want to give credit to the new york times for publishing the story because they did the new york times published that they don't they don't get a lot of things right but good on them for publishing it now what we assumed and had heard in the rumor mill at the time was that the Border Patrol agents who did finally take out the shooter, and I was telling you before, like, hey, rumors are all over on this. We don't know if this is true or not. What we did know is that they were off duty. We do know that the the shoot the Border Patrol agent who did kill the shooter and took a bullet to the head anyway, uh, well, a, a grazing wound to the head, we knew that he was not on duty. We knew that. None of them were on duty. What we now know is that they disobeyed the police chief. The police chief told them not to go in. They basically told them to kiss their rear and they went in anyway. So the police chief who is now resigned in disgrace, whose neighbor, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this, the police chief's neighbor is all over national media trashing this guy. Just trashing him. And rightfully so. But this entire tactical team, they assembled. You know what this is? This is what brotherhood looks like. For you civilians who have never served, this is what brotherhood is. What I think happened, and I don't know for sure, what I think happened is probably this guy said, my kids are in this school, I need your help, and the boys showed up. And then they told the police chief to go pound sand, and they went in, they did business. That's it. Federal agent protects his family, 
and others in his family's classroom because he did business. Tactical team shows up. They're all off duty. They show up for a brother. They get business done. Save lives. All of them saved lives with firearms, by the way. would like to point that out. But now we know that they disobeyed the police chief and told him to stand down. Screw you, we're going in. We're saving our families. And that's what they did. Unfortunately, they, they weren't able to get there sooner. Then you've got another story here. This is the one that's going to tick you off. As if those weren't maddening enough. But this one involves Joe Biden and the agents who were involved in that rescue. we got that coming up, 95.3 MNC. Casey Hendrickson. On News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And I know that there's an active investigation in all of this, and the feds are apparently getting involved, trying to figure out what the heck happened here with this police response in Uvalde. Um, I mean, this is, there's there's two things that really led led to, you know, the loss of life that we saw. Obviously, you got the shooter. I'm not going to count that, but the door was propped open. We need to know why the door was propped open. Uh, the other thing is just the police did not do what they were supposed to do. And ultimately, it took it took police officers and other other law enforcement agents who went in and got their kids out. Some parents went in and got their kids out. And then ultimately, it took the BORTAC team to go in there and say, enough's enough. We're not waiting. We're, we're, we're going to take this guy out. We're going to get medical aid to those who have been wounded. And that BORTAC team, nobody talks about this. They stuck around. They were the first responders that were providing the first medical aid to the victims. So they didn't just show up and take out the gunmen and save those those lives in that classroom that were still there. But they were the ones that provided aid to the others who got treated later and are going to survive. And what would have happened if that team had listened to the order from the police chief and not gone in when they did? And a lot of people are posting on the live stream like, Hey, don't forget that they just had an active shooter drill not that long before this. That's correct. They did. And you have to wonder what's going on. I, you know, references to Barney Fife and that sort of thing. Look, I don't know what the deal is with the police chief, okay? And you assume that a lot of these small-town departments don't have the tactical training that some of the bigger departments have because they have to deal with a heck of a lot more. They've got more experience. I, You know, some of this is budget stuff and a lot of it's laziness because, as I've said before, I know some people who travel the country and they train law enforcement. And one of the things you find is that a lot of departments who don't provide this training, the officers get it themselves because it helps them survive in the job. Good soldiers attend training away from base. Good police officers do the same thing. I do not understand the mindset of small-town police not being prepared because they think they're safe. If nothing else, I would assume that you would undergo the training so you had something to do in a boring town. But a lot of them don't. And I don't have an explanation as to why that is. I truly don't. This is why we see this so much in these smaller towns because they're the ones more susceptible to this, you know, sleepy-eyed, everything-is-safe-I'm-going-to-keep-my-doors-unlocked mentality. And unfortunately, occasionally, it really, really hurts when reality hits you. So now we've got this story here. And I'll be honest with you, this one, there was a lot of reasons last week that I was in a mood and throughout the weekend that I was in a mood. This one definitely put me in a mood for a little bit. The Biden administration 
uninvited. Many of the Border Patrol agents and other law enforcement officers who responded to the Robb Elementary School shooting from a meeting with the president, which was scheduled on Sunday in Uvalde. So former Vice President Joe Biden goes to Uvalde, Texas, invites the Border Patrol, law enforcement, including the BORTAC team, to come have a private event with him, for him to meet with them and talk with them and that sort of thing. And then he uninvites them? I'm sorry, what? Despite the event being planned for a large open space facility, administration officials cited space as a reason for the retracted invitations. So who got to attend the event other than the officers involved with the rescue? Now, we know that some of them who were there when Joe Biden got to town turned back and left. They're like, we're not going to see this guy. We know that some of that happened. But I'm, I'm specifically talking about people who were invited to this event and then we're told, on second thought, we don't want you here. Law enforcement officers who responded to the Uvalde shooting uh, at Robb Elementary School on Tuesday morning received an invitation to meet with former Vice President Joe Biden during his planned trip to Uvalde on Sunday afternoon. According to a senior Customs and Border Protection source, the officers received the invitation late last week. Many had accepted and were scheduled to attend the private address from the former vice president. Most are now being informed that they are no longer invited. The meeting specifically to address the law enforcement officers who responded to the shooting as part of Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden's visit to to Texas to address the families of the victims of last week's school shooting. So this was a meeting specifically to address law enforcement in the area, and he disinvited the people who were actually there. Although the meeting is planned at a location that can accommodate hundreds, more than 90% of the Border Patrol agents who were invited are now being told time and space are limited and they cannot attend. More than 80 Border Patrol agents, including several members of the BORTAC special response team involved in the actual subduing of the shooter, received that invitation. Late Saturday evening, the Border Patrol was notified by the former vice president that he could only meet with seven of the more than 80 agents who had responded to the shooting. Wow. So, 73 of you kiss off. Is that where we're at? In addition to the Border Patrol BORTAC tactical unit members who killed the shooter after entering the classroom, again, against, against the will of the police chief, Others assisted with removing students and teachers from harm's way. They also provided emergency medical attention to the survivors of the attack. The source says the limitations likely apply to other large law enforcement agencies, such as the Texas Department of Public Safety, Highway Patrol, which participated in the active shooter response as well. The source says deciding which officers will be allowed to attend on such short notice will be difficult. These agents are still traumatized by the incident. The venue is large, and they are not going to buy this excuse, is what the source told Breitbart, Texas. I can't wait to go to Washington, D.C. in September. And I can't wait to ask the Border Patrol chief about this because I interview him every time I'm there. I know. I know he's ticked. 
Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Follow me on Truth Social at Casey, the host. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk about Joe Biden lying to you multiple times over the weekend. And where can we get these nine millimeter bullets that will uh, shoot your lungs out of your body? Where can we get these things? Because I want some. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. WTRC from the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. we got to deal with some idiots and some morons and some I told you so's. We'll get to that here in just a minute. First, I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. So here's a couple of things that were posted by Blue Checkmark Brigaders. Okay. Who is this guy anyway? Hold on a second. I don't even know who this dude is. Um, All right. Some idiot. Dean Obadala, whatever. I don't know. He has a serious XM show. Okay. So he posts, he goes, there is no constitutional right to own a gun. (laughs) Uh, That was literally made up by five GOP justices in 2008 decision of DC versus Heller. Wrong. D.C. Heller actually restricted more gun rights than than uh, permitted. We need to make overturning Heller a cause like the right made overturning Roe v. Wade. All right, you can if you want, moron. See, if only, if only there was a way to, oh, I don't know, go back in time and actually read the words of the people who wrote the Second Amendment and maybe find a, a place where they wrote down why they wrote the Second Amendment the way that they did. And what it actually means. So that way people like like this poor Dean guy aren't so confused. Oh, that's right. Federalist Papers. Go look at what Madison and Hamilton wrote. Dingus. He doesn't even know what a Federalist Paper is. He's got no clue. None whatsoever. They made it crystal clear what the Second Amendment was for. And it wasn't for some organized militia. Nope. It was for you. It was for me. It was for your stupid neighbor. It was for everybody. And I would ask also, this is one thing that that never seems to come up. <clears throat> if you didn't have a right to own a firearm by the Second Amendment, and and even as a broader point, because we'll get into Joe Biden repeating his lie that I told you he's going to repeat again this weekend. Even as we get into that, if you weren't allowed to own certain types of guns, and if you weren't allowed to own a gun, let me ask you this question. Why did it take a couple of hundred years for anybody to suddenly decide that you weren't allowed to own something? If the founding fathers never guaranteed the right to own firearms under the Second Amendment, why did they never take anybody's firearms away from them? Why didn't anybody, up until the modern era, this idea that you are limited in what you can own is an entirely new, modern fabrication. This is not something that has existed in all of American history up until recently, just a few decades ago. It's brand new. For the entirety of our country's history, you were able to own whatever the heck you wanted. And there wasn't a restriction on it. 
suddenly, automatically, there is. And then you got people like this Dean idiot that I've never heard of running around and telling you that there's no constitutional right to own a gun when Hamilton and Madison specifically said otherwise. I mean, other than the Second Amendment saying otherwise, but I get it. He's not bright enough to read the Second Amendment and understand what it means. Good thing they wrote an entire thing on why the Second Amendment is worded the way that it is. Too bad he's never heard of it or read it. It's the same argument you run into with everybody. Even if, even if you are, by some miracle, you run into some anti-gun individual who knows what the Federalist Papers are and what they say in it, you have to ask, okay, even if you disagree with what Hamilton and Madison wrote down in plain English, even if you disagree with that, if there's a limitation on the Second Amendment, why is it that it took hundreds of years for there to ever be a limitation on the Second Amendment? You would assume that if there was a limitation on the Second Amendment, the Founding Fathers, or even Second and Third Generation Founding Fathers, would have at some point restricted those rights, right? Why did that never happen until after World War II? Anyone? Why do you, why do you think that is? They don't have an answer for that. They have no answer for that. And that's because you got idiots out there like Joe Biden running around and going, it was never absolute, you couldn't own cannon. Yeah, you could. How many times do we have to debunk that? Now, the real question is, do you think that anybody's bothered even going up to Joe Biden and said, dude, why do you keep saying that? Like, it's not true. Or do you think that they're just like, as Joe, we'll just let him roll with it. Because, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people out there like this Dean guy with the blue check mark next to his name on Twitter who will believe it. What do you, which scenario do you think is more likely to be playing out here? I don't know. So I, again, no. <laughs> that's not how it worked. That's not what Heller was even about, but I digress. So then you got this guy, Mark Fisher. Mark Fisher's another dweebus. Blue check mark next to his name. Works as a journalist. So this is the article that the Washington Post put out. Ready for this? The AR-15, America's rifle or illegitimate killing machine. And you know what he put on his post when he, when he tweeted out the article? Invented for Nazi infantrymen, further developed by the U.S. military, the AR-15 was the Texas school shooter's weapon of choice. Everything about that, with the exception of the last line, is false. You realize that the Nazis developed the STG-44 after World War I, when the French developed walking fire theory, right? A lot of what the Germans developed leading into World War II technology, including the STG-44, came from Western ideas. What were those ideas? Hey, large caliber weapons designed to engage at large distance don't really work too well in trench warfare. We need something that fires more rapidly and probably a more compact, smaller round. That came from the West. The Germans stole that. They realized after World War I, too, that their typical long-range rifles were not going to work in trench warfare, and they started developing their own stuff, but a lot of the concepts that they got actually came from the West. You can look at this. The United States developed things that would qualify as an assault rifle nowadays before the Germans did. So did the Russians. The Russians are actually credited with the first assault rifle in human history. And if there's somebody out there rolling their eyes going, the STG-44 is the first assault rifle in human history, 
Uh, no, it's the first successful one. It is not the first one. It's like three decades late. Now, I realize that a lot of people don't understand that, but this is the other thing, too. The AR-15 is a different mechanism altogether than the STG-44. So how could it be further developed by the U.S. military as a copy of what the Nazis had? It isn't. The Russians, Soviets, excuse me, the Soviets are actually the ones who got the scientists who developed the STG-44. And even the AK-47 isn't really based on the STG-44. So if you don't know your history, you put out stupid tweets like this. For God's sakes, give me a man wise enough to know he's making a fool of himself. Mark Fisher is not bright enough to know that he's making a fool of himself. His history is way off. It is completely and totally off. The concepts that would ultimately come in to be the assault rifle, of which the Germans didn't even coin the term. The term assault rifle predates Nazi Germany using it. But all of those concepts that went into the STG-44, all of those concepts and the development of the weapons before the STG-44 by Nazi Germany were all things that were being developed in the United States and in France and in Russia anyway. The first assault rifle, for crying out loud, was developed by the Tsar's regime in Russia. Didn't have widespread success, but it's considered the first one. But not widespread success. But that, see, that doesn't matter, right? None of this matters. So what they're going to do is they're going to do yeah, This is a Nazi weapon. The AR-15 is a Nazi weapon, and that's the weapon that the shooter in Texas chose to use. Of course, most active shooters and school shooters choose handguns. We know that for a fact. I wonder if this idiot drives a Mercedes. What do you think the over-under on Mark Fisher driving a Mercedes are? Mercedes. They work for the Nazis. There's a lot of other very popular brands nowadays that work for the Nazi regime, too. I wonder if he if he makes sure that he avoids all of those brands. Does he avoid the brands that are, that are made by Japan, too, that also help the Japanese effort in torturing American POWs? I wonder if he does that. Or does he just bloviate on Twitter because he's an idiot? I assume the latter, because he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll include a bit of a history of assault rifles before the STG-44 in the Daily Show prep today, in case you're curious. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. I'm Laura Smith. And I'm John Zimney. Cooler weather's on the way. All your top local stories, traffic and weather during Michiana's Morning News, Wednesday, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I do want to remind you that you can watch uh, the live stream by going to rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can also follow me on Truth Social at Casey the host. Representative Kinzinger, again, fake Republican, fake conservative. Uh, I went over his voting record some time ago with this guy. He doesn't even vote with Republicans like even half of the time. Um, The guy, it's not just, he's not a never Trump Republican. He's not a Republican. 
This is not who he is. He's not a particularly bright guy. Um, you know, I'm not going to denigrate his military service. I know that he's still in the military and, and things like that, but um, he's not a particularly wise gentleman, okay? The guy says things that don't make a lot of sense, and he's constantly being called out on it. Um, he posts these really cringy posts on social media that I, I don't use the word cringe a lot, but they're really cringy. The, the guy just has a, a weird aura about him. So he went out and he said that he's open to an assault weapons ban. Once again, assault weapon is a term that was manufactured. It's not a real thing. So what's always funny is when, when you ask, and I know that uh, Charlie Kirk has done a couple of these, but others have as well. When you get people to try and say, all right, what is an assault weapon? And they don't really respond with an answer. They just kind of call you names because that's what the left does when they don't have an answer to something, which is most of the time. And the reality is that there's there's really no such thing as an assault weapon. Now, if I take a hammer and I assault somebody with it, did it become an assault weapon? Most people would say, yeah. But is a hammer an assault weapon? No. Using a weapon to assault somebody, yeah, you're you're automatically assaulting somebody. It's this whole noun versus verb thing. But he goes out there on Sunday, went to the State of the Union, and remember, he's uh, he's from Illinois, and he says that he's open to supporting a federal ban on assault weapons in the aftermath of the Uvalde massacre. Uh, Dana Bash began by asking Kinzinger to explain why Americans need to own an AR-15-style rifle since he had openly opposed an assault weapons ban in the past. He responded, I have opposed a ban fairly recently. I think I'm open to a ban now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on what it looks like because there's a lot of nuances on what constitutes certain things. But I'm getting to the point where I have to wonder, maybe somebody uh, to, uh, somebody to own one, maybe you need an extra license, maybe you need, an, need extra training. Dude, you already have that. You can't get a military-style rifle without having the extra tax stamp. That's the point. An AR-15 has never been used by a military force in the history of the world. It has never happened. It is unpractical for warfare. I know, impractical for warfare. Unpractical doesn't make sense. But it's impractical for warfare. An AR-15 doesn't make sense. This is a guy who's still in the military. I know his job isn't isn't to kick doors and and that sort of stuff, but still, it's like, (laughs) at some point, dude, you have to acknowledge... Like I said, he's not a particularly bright guy. He just said, oh, maybe you have to have an extra tax stamp or something like that. Yeah, you already have that. As we have highlighted countless times before, there are rifles on the market that have the same caliber bullet and the same fire rate with a wood stock. They're your basic hunting rifles. They do the same thing as an AR-15 does. The exact same thing in the exact same way, at the same rate of fire, and they fire the exact same rounds. And they are never considered, they are never considered for a so-called weapons ban, right? Assault weapons ban. Never. And that's because it's purely cosmetic. Purely and totally cosmetic. But will Kinzinger ever acknowledge that? No, he's not wise enough. He doesn't know enough about this. And that's the sad part, considering his... His military status. But then again, I mean, Pete Buttigieg served in the military too. He had to borrow somebody else's M4 because it wasn't issued one to take pictures and stuff like that for propaganda. Um, it, it's just, it's it's ludicrous that you see this stuff. And then when you pull up the data on how many people are actually killed with a rifle, any rifle, 
okay, including the bolt actions and all of those other rifles out there, you're under 500 people a year. And I'm not saying that every one of those lives is not tragic. I'm not saying that. that they certainly are. They're all special, okay? They all deserve to be remembered with respect and dignity. But with that said, when you have 67 million Americans who own rifles and you have less than 500 people a year who are murdered with them, banning them does not make sense. As we highlighted before, your chances of getting shot with any rifle at all in the United States based on ownership, okay, based on the number of the number of people who own these rifles, not the number of rifles, which would reduce the number drastically, but just the number of people who own these rifles in the United States, your chances of being killed with one are 0.00087%. And that's just the number of people who own rifle, not the number of rifles that are owned. And that doesn't include underage people who own rifles but are in the care of the parents. This only counts 18 years and older in this country. So if you start adding the other numbers in it, you're going to get really deep into the woods on the fraction of a fraction of a fraction of percent that you're likely to dying from one of these things. Friendly reminder, schools still are safer now than they were in the 1990s. Less people are hurt at school, less people are attacked at school, and less people are killed at school now than they were in the 1990s. They don't want you to know that, though. So, Kinsinger, remember this. Remember who this guy is. He doesn't just hate Trump. Okay, He doesn't like conservative values. This is not who the guy is. Look at his voting record. We've brought it up a million times. Then you've got Joe Biden. Oh, my God, Joe Biden. A 9mm bullet, because now we're talking about caliber bands, right? A 9mm bullet, quote, blows the lung out of the body. Huh? <laughs> where, where, where can I get that round? Uh, there's a couple of you like, hey, I got, I got one. I know that. I know, specialty rounds I know exist. But how, <laughs> where can I get your standard fare 9mm that'll blow the lungs out of my enemy every single time? Because there's a market for that, okay? Now, here's here's what's so funny about this. You ready? Two weeks ago, police who primarily carry 9 millimeter are, quote, outgunned by anybody who have an AR. 9 millimeters don't shoot very far. They're not very deadly, and they don't penetrate body armor. Remember that line? Now, all of a sudden, a 9 millimeter is going to blow your lung out of your body? Which one is it, Joe? This is like when you go to these anti-gun rallies and they try to show you what an AR-15 exit wound looks like. And it looks like a 50 cal. <laughs> they, they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Keep in mind that this is the guy who told you to just shoot your shotgun through a wall or a window. Don't identify the target. Just shoot whoever's outside, which is a crime, by the way. With a shotgun, last I checked... If you got a slug in there, shotgun will actually blow your lung out of your body. He's okay with that. Not okay with the 9 mil. You know what you're dealing with here. MNC News Time is 532. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. 
This is Rick Studios. From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. You know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. By and large, I mean, there's exceptions, obviously, for the general population, but by and large, country doesn't care about veterans. They don't care about them. They don't care about those that we we honored over this past weekend. They'll do it once a, once a year. You know, they don't care about veterans who are alive now. The government doesn't. The news media doesn't. Your political class doesn't. There's a lot of, of a, a large swath of the population who doesn't care. There's a bunch of people who do care, but only once or twice a year. Right? It's a lip service sort of a thing. But it's not real. And I've said this a lot on the show in the past. And, and you know, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer coming out of Memorial Day. But if you're going to give a Memorial Day speech, of which I have given many, if you're going to give a Memorial Day speech, make Memorial Day about Memorial Day. Don't be the former vice president and go on there and talk about the Second Amendment never being absolute. And don't turn your Memorial Day stuff into a political message. It's Memorial Day. I've had a lot of people come up to me over the years after I've given a Memorial Day speech and say, I expected it to get political. Why would it? And the true answer is because so many other people would make it political. But this country doesn't care. They 100% don't care. Your loved ones care. There are people in the country who care, lots of them. But by and large, our institutions don't care about veterans. If that were the case, we wouldn't be dealing with a long and storied history of the federal government abandoning veterans when they get back to town. When they get back home. They get out of the service. We've got the Freedom System event coming up this weekend. We wouldn't have to do things like that if they actually cared. Look at how people are treated at the VA. Not that every encounter at the VA is bad. That's certainly not the case. There's a lot of very wonderful people who work at the VA and do their best. But the system is bad. And there's no interest in really fixing it. They're not interested in that. When you take every opportunity to make a political point, you don't actually care. If you're going to go to Uvalde, Texas, and you're going to sit there in front of the family of those who were murdered, and you're going to attack your political opponent that you're running against, you don't care about those kids. You don't care about their families. You only care about optics. If you're going to give a speech on Memorial Day, or even on Memorial Day weekend, at an event surrounding it, you're going to make it about politics. You don't care about those who actually sacrificed for this country. And Joe Biden doesn't care. Make no mistake, he doesn't care. Most most in the institutions that we look at on a regular basis don't. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the veteran issues that we have. We wouldn't have protesters from wars past to current who are veterans saying, hey, you know, when am I going to get what I was promised? They love making promises to you. They love telling you that they're going to take care of you when you get home. They never do. Your brothers and your sisters will. 
Your loved ones will try, but they won't understand. That's why having some place to go where you've got people who've experienced what you've experienced is so very important. They're the ones that are going to get you through it. Joe Biden making Memorial Day about the Second Amendment never being absolute, which for, for the record is not true. But to even make that on make that statement on Memorial Day, what a horrible travesty. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Day mornings 5 till 9 on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, the former vice president wasn't done with dishonoring the memory of our veterans on Memorial Day. On Saturday, he was at the uh, University of Delaware giving a commencement speech. And he lied again about January 6th protesters. So he said that January 6th protesters killed two police officers on January 6th. That didn't happen. But he's still repeating the lie. You, and how many times has he said this? He said this several times. He keeps getting debunked. Again, it goes back to the whole, you couldn't own Canon. Yeah, you could. You can still own Canon, Joe. But every time he gets fact-checked on something, he just keeps repeating the claim. And there's still idiots out there who just buy into it, even though it's not true. So he falsely claims Saturday that his supporters of former President Donald Trump killed police officers during the January 6th riots in Capitol Hill. Of course, that did not happen. No police officers died in those riots or from those riots. There were innocent people who got killed, though. One's name is Ashley Babbitt. And look how long it took for them to release the the video footage that she was actually trying to prevent the mob violence there. She wasn't engaging in it. Took them a long time to release that footage. Her husband's got a heck of a case now against the federal government. And I hope he takes him for every dollar he can get. Bill O'Reilly's up next. Follow me on True Social at Casey, the host. We'll see you tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly here. The O'Reilly 